all the worlds a stage, and all the men and women merely players. William Shakespeare. Hey, have you heard about the Shakespeare theory? Today is my friend Mary Frances. Hello, hello, Mary Frances. We're so happy Hi. you're here. Thank you for having me. Uh, we also have my sister, who's going to be sort of co-hosting today. My sister Claire. <laughs> you guys recognize her voice, I'm sure. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> She's back. Okay. I'm back by popular demand. <laughs> Nobody was demanding it. Claire's here because she is actually wrote a paper on this current subject that we're going to be talking about today, so Ooh. she'll be able to provide some insight and catch me if I make any mistakes. Big brain. So, yeah, big brain. <laughs> so, if you're new here, welcome. On Hey, Have You Heard About? I take a guest who hopefully has never heard of the true crime story, the ghost story, the conspiracy theory that we're talking about, and so we get real and authentic reactions, which is a lot of fun a lot of the time. <laughs> I think you're going to know this one, honestly. I think you will. It's it's a very popular conspiracy theory. I love doing conspiracy theories because yeah. they're so much fun. It's yeah. really, like, in the public consciousness, sort mm -hmm. of fallen out of style. Word. I would say, like, maybe within the last, like, honestly, like, 20 or 30 years, Ooh. just in terms of, I don't know, just public knowledge and believability and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. So we're, we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of it. But first... As always, we are going to start... Oh, real quick, actually. Mm -hmm. Just kidding. We have to go through the, the plugs real quick. Uh. So <laughs> if you like what you hear and you want to stay up to date with Hey, Have You Heard About? You can follow our Twitter and our Instagram at H-H-Y-H-A Podcast. There I post, you know, clues for the next episode. I try to post updates pretty regularly about when things are coming out and all that sort of stuff. So if you want to get connected and reach out or you want to be up to date, Definitely check that out. It's very epic. It Do it. It is. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> also, if you want to be a little bit more up to date, you want some more details about the process or anything like that, we have a Patreon, Ooh. which is a lot of fun. For as little as $1 a month, you will get access to episodes a day early, so the Ooh. 14th of every month, and access to weekly updates that I do on Monday, pretty much usually around... 10, noon, depends on what I wake up. <laughs> That's so. right, folks. For just a single doubloon, you get access to this <laughs> one day early. Exactly. For all but my pirates out we there. We have this new reward on what? Patreon now. Bruh. I know. And for $7 every month, you will get me making a video and posting it to Patreon Word. of my reactions and last thoughts about a case. And I, I was thinking about this because we did Chris Watts last month these mm -hmm. last two months and I was thinking there's a lot that I want to sort of talk about in regards to this case like things that I may have left out things I may have not gone in depth things I've thought about since then mm -hmm. so now I think it's going to be a day after every episode comes out on patreon for seven dollars there's going to be you know a short clip of me answering questions people may have had that they messaged me mm -hmm. or just my last thoughts about a certain case or whatever so well and I know that like on the YouTube page and stuff you do have a lot of people commenting with discussions yeah. like stuff that they know about the case mm -hmm. or stuff that they found interesting so like if you listen to a case and you find something really interesting and you want to hear more said about it be sure to comment and then yeah. it'll be talked about Definitely. I'm kind of I don't know if this guy still listens but this is kind of inspired from a listener for our Elisa Lamb episode last Ooh. year named Blurry Bigfoot. Yes. God king. bless him. He's really, he's, he seems like a cool dude. This but... is a Blurry Bigfoot stan account. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he seems really cool. He actually messaged me on YouTube about a year ago and sent me like his own theory about Elisa Lamb. And I did a follow-up episode on that. And I was thinking about it and I liked doing that so much that we're just going to do it. Yeah. This one is going to be available for everybody. I think the next few videos, like final videos, final whatever, final thoughts, I think is what I'll call it, are going to be available for everybody to watch. But I think probably around 
I want to say October, November, I'm going to completely cut them off and they'll be for Patreon only. Get a little taste. A little taste. Just a little taste. So if you're interested, definitely check out the Patreon. Real quick, we also have a Teespring store. You can get all sorts of merch there. All of the proceeds from that go to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. And I actually got an email from, let's see. I think she is on the board for National Center of Missing and Exploited Children. And Ooh. she said that she she's a, in charge of, she is the, I believe it's a she. They are a digital giving manager. Mm-hmm. So they monitor all the donations. And they reached out to me saying thank you for all the donations that we've been doing through the merch store. Yay. So your donations are getting to them. They very much appreciate it. It was very yeah. sweet for them mm-hmm. to reach out. Just thank you to everyone who buys merch mm-hmm. and who does this because I'm sure that organizations like this who are doing like literally life-saving work Mm -hmm. really really appreciate it they do they Mm -hmm. do for sure so if you want to help donate to a great cause check out our merch store we have a lot of cute stuff on there we're gonna have a lot of cute stuff coming into october and just fall in general mary Frances has a piece on the store actually i do it was so fun to make she did the uh the skeleton with the cigarette smoke and kills smoke and kills and you can buy it a shirt (laughs) i think a sticker maybe a hoodie you know all sorts of stuff it's really cool so i also real quick want to give a shout out to best fiends for sponsoring this episode thank you so much best fiends you'll hear about them later bro epic okay yeah (laughs) okay so now that all of that is out of the way Thank you so much for hanging on. I know sometimes intros can be long. We're going to start with some good news. It's been a while since we actually had some good news, you know. In the world. In the world. that the truth? This, <laughs> but I decided let's just start with some good news. So this is from goodnewsnetwork.org, our classic good news network. So I, I want you all to hear, hang on with me for this title because mm-hmm. it, it will take you on an adventure. <laughs> okay. So the title of this article is, quote, Vegetable orchestra, unquote, musicians perform songs using only fresh veggies before cooking spare parts for the audience. Now, that's my kind of party. (laughs) Dinner and a show. Wow. (laughs) So for the last 24 years, this Vienna-based musical group has been showing that vegetables aren't just good for you, your health. They're good for your ears as well. That's a quote from the article. That's wow. the tea, folks. Yeah. So this, this this orchestra has been going to fresh get fresh produce from farmers markets, all that sort of stuff, and then they carve the actual instruments mm-hmm. out of these vegetables. And I then, love it. And then they just <laughs> perform, which is something I want to see. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a lot of fun. Oh, VeggieTales looks. <laughs> oh my gosh, Bruh. Oh my gosh. The hive mind. <laughs> they they apparently according to the article they use anything from onion peels and carrots to pumpkins and bell peppers to perform their original songs. <sighs> their mixtape must be fire. Fire roasted veg that was terrible. I'm so sorry. <laughs> what instrument vegetable would you play if you could play an instrument vegetable? Put it in the comments or DM me on Twitter. Celery. Celery. <laughs> Crunch. But so so uh, after every performance, the musicians take all the audience members and they cook up the extra veggies left from the carvings. They don't use the vegetables that they played mm-hmm. on. Obviously, that would be gross because, you know. <laughs> Corona. But so they use the leftover parts of the vegetable and create a very healthy, very apparently delicious meal for their audience members, which <laughs> I think is incredible. Good for them. And it's vegetarian. It's inclusive. Exactly. Very good. It's wonderful. So because of COVID, unfortunately, they have been unable to actually perform together and in front of an audience, but they have recently reunited over Zoom to perform a new original song called, quote, Green Days. I walk away. (laughs) Copyright. 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 (laughs) Uh, So if you guys want to check out this lovely vegetable orchestra, I'm sure you'll be able to find a video online somewhere. And maybe I'll be able to link it below. But yeah, that just made me, I saw that and I was like, this is wonderful. I love this a lot. That's the best thing I've heard all day. I live for that. (laughs) That's what we're here for. Okay. All right. So I wanted... No offense, Mary Frances, Mm -hmm. but I did want to get a science-based person for this theory. That's fair. Uh, You know, when you're an English person, you're surrounded by those type of people, and it's hard to find someone who likes science. Yeah. So, here we are. But I'm glad you're here, because this one is a funky, funky, fun theory. Very good. Here in this room, we've all done theater before. 
We have, it's true. We, it's true. It's very we have true. We all performed together before. It's true. It's very true. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think we've ever done a Shakespeare play together, have we? The two of us have. They can't see who you're pointing oh. at. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. We have, because we're sisters. Yeah. Okay. So Clara and I. Yes. yes. Clara and yes. Madeline have. <laughs> so... But we've never done Shakespeare together, and Shakespeare is just one of those figures where you read about him in, you know, high school, and then you think you're done with him, mm-hmm. or you go into English for college or whatever, and you're like, ah, oh, here he is again. Or this you man. become an acting major in college, <laughs> and then you get to know Willie Shakespeare very well. Yeah. The point where you can call him Willie Shakespeare. Yeah, we're on a first-name basis. That's great. You and Will, you so, go, get together for coffees in the evening. Yes, yeah. it's really wonderful, actually. <laughs> very good. But did you guys know... That William Shakespeare apparently didn't write any of his plays. Get Zooks. Get Zooks, indeed. So, Mary Frances, <laughs> yes. have you heard about the Shakespeare theory? You know, I've heard about it in passing, but I know absolutely nothing about it in detail. Get ready. <laughs> I am I am ready to rumble. Here we go. Apparently, you know, I didn't pay enough attention to Shakespeare's life when I was in school, and I'm assuming a lot of my listeners probably didn't either because it's school. Uh, Claire looks so hurt right now. (laughs) I have been a Shakespeare nerd. I'm not kidding. Since I was 12, I was the type of person who would stay up late watching YouTube videos of Shakespeare performances (laughs) and stuff like that. Yeah, I did a Shakespeare summer camp, I think, five years in a row. And it was two weeks of learning Shakespeare. And then we would put on a Shakespeare production. I love Shakespeare. So she's going to help me through this, as you can tell. So let's talk about Shakespeare. Let's talk about what we know Mm -hmm. about Shakespeare. Let's talk about the facts that we know. So we know that he was born approximately... Yesterday. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's he's very good. (laughs) He was born approximately around April 23rd of 1564. We don't know the exact date. But we do know that his baptism was three days later, so the 26th. So according to traditions of the time and all that sort of stuff, he would have been born probably around the 23rd. It was the 1500s. They didn't really keep records about this kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. obviously. Unless you were literally like a king or a queen or a duke, the most that you got written about you was your baptism day and then maybe when you died? Sometimes when you died. Maybe. So he was born uh, in Stratford-upon-Avon, which was a successful town at the time because of the wool trade. So they were on a river, on the Avon River. Mm -hmm. That's why they call it Stratford-upon-Avon, by the way. Fun fact. And they were really successful when it came to all sorts of trade. And like I said, especially the wool trade. Because we we actually went to Stratford-upon-Avon, Claire and I. Mm -hmm. And it's like surrounded by fields and all this. It stores. It's really pretty out there. Mm -hmm. But... You know, fields equals sheep equals wool equals money for the town. And that's how that happened. He was actually the eldest child in his family. I believe his parents weren't very, very well off. Like, Mm -hmm. they were okay. His dad was a successful trader or craftsman, Mm -hmm. I think. But, I mean... His dad was also known for causing a lot of tomfoolery at a young age. Ah, rabble rouser. Yeah, exactly. So they weren't regarded as super high class. Yeah. So, yeah, back in the day, everybody went to grammar school. which was there yet. Well, but I'm saying... (laughs) (laughs) Hold on. Everyone went to grammar school, and then if you were very wealthy, you could get an education past that, but Shakespeare didn't. Even if they were well off, they obviously weren't well off enough for him to get a further education. Yeah. Right. Oh, actually, we were there. Were you reading my notes? No, okay. I just, that's in my brain. <laughs> no, I know just this. knows these things. <laughs> okay, so yes, yeah, so Shakespeare most likely, again, there's no records of this, most likely went to his local grammar school where he would have learned the English language, obviously grammar, you know, mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. Yeah. A lot of people in regards to the Shakespeare theory say that there's no... Because there's no evidence that he went to grammar school, he mm-hmm. didn't go. Yeah. But I would assume everybody in the... Yeah, he, he most likely did, just yeah. because if you were a boy in England, that's what you did. Yeah. Yeah, so... Where is his diploma? I don't see it. <laughs> is it on the wall? It's not on the wall! <laughs> he eventually 
when he was 18 years old, he got married to a woman named Anne Hathaway. No, I mean, no relation to the actress, I don't think. That we know. <laughs> that we know. But he got married to Anne Hathaway. She was 26 at the time, which was different from that, you know, yeah. era. Yeah. Because the women always married super young yeah. and the men always married kind of oldish. But <laughs> unfortunately, it was an unhappy marriage. Yikes. Shakespeare was just not very interested in Anne Hathaway. Once he got to London, he very much stayed there his entire time. Mm-hmm. He didn't visit her very much unless it was to have a baby with her, which we all, you know. Yeehaw. You know, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Eventually, he did go to London, I think shortly after he married Anne Hathaway. Mm-hmm. And he established a reputation in London for acting and writing slash directing by 1592. So he was already making waves in the London theater scene. He said, y'all better get into it. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. Well, the London theater scene before, like, pre-Shakespeare wasn't really regarded as super high class and fancy. So Shakespeare appealed a lot to, you know, I don't want to say peasants, but Mm -hmm. the lower Lower class people, you know, which is why he quickly became, like, so popular, I think, is because Mm -hmm. his plays just... Mm-hmm. touched their hearts i guess yeah. yes. well he appealed to especially in the time he was really beloved the way that they built the globe which is the theater that was built for his plays in the time it was lower class would stand in the center but then they also built seating for mm-hmm. the upper class so his plays really are special and that even back then they were sort of universally admired where Queen Elizabeth was going to see his plays, was sponsoring him writing plays, mm-hmm. all this stuff. Later on in his life. Yeah, it wasn't, yeah. you know, right off the Immediately. bat. Immediately. Yeah. <laughs> but also, while this nobility was there, they were also really, really well suited for the lower class, where they were really enjoying it and getting into the plays and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Which I think, arguably, like you said, is why Shakespeare is so well-known and beloved today, is because his plays seemed, and his poetry, seemed to resonate with people of all classes Mm -hmm. and I think if he hadn't reached out to like the lower class people we wouldn't be talking about him today like some of the other people that we will be talking about today (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) I think they still do I think that's one of the thing why Shakespeare is still so widely produced is that the stuff that he wrote about it's interesting and I think there's a reason why there's like the joke that researchers still haven't found the one time period that Hamlet hasn't been performed in because they're so applicable where you can just take one of his shows, put it in a completely different time period. Like I did Richard the third once and we did it in like a boardroom setting Mm -hmm. where instead of it being this British nobility, it was all about trying to get CEO. It worked, you know, and it was fun. Yeah. It was like, (laughs) it was very fun. Yeah. I remember seeing that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, he wrote stuff that works perfectly well in the time and in the place that he wrote it, mm-hmm. but it also is really interesting and can work in mm-hmm. modern settings like and stuff like that. Like High School Musical. Did y'all know that High School Musical was based off of Romeo and Juliet? Yeah. There I'm, you go. I'm sweating. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Shakespeare obviously was very successful in London. He actually created a group of actors that became well-known called the Lord Chamberlain's Men. Mm-hmm. That was became a super, super prestigious acting troupe boys night night, (laughs) sadder plays are for the boys (laughs) sadder plays oh my word that's good (laughs) no it's not (laughs) of course you know the last thing we really know about shakespeare is that he died yeah uh, at some point and that point was April. Or did he? <laughs> As do we all. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, oh. So he died on April 23rd, 1616 at the age of 52. People speculate that it was probably because he got too drunk at his daughter's wedding and just got severely ill after that. And Wow. Too died. hungover. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. He got a little bit too turned. So these are important things to note about Shakespeare just in general. Like I said, we don't know a lot about him Mm -hmm. as a person. In fact, the only piece of writing that we can confirm is actually Shakespeare's handwriting is his own signature on his will. Mm -hmm. And his name is misspelled in every single signature. Mm -hmm. So think about that moving forward because that will come into play. We know that he didn't go to university as far as we can tell, which 
you know, to be a prestigious playwright at the time, you would kind of expect someone who wrote about the things that he did, someone who, you know, explained in detail the different places in the plays like Italy or France and all that sort of stuff. You would expect him to have gotten some experience in those places. Yeah. As far as we know, he didn't go those places. Hmm. He released a new play pretty much every single year, Mm -hmm. so he was pretty consistent when it came to writing them. And he had different lords as patrons, so... I think when it came to his poetry, and Claire, you can correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. when he first started writing poetry, he wrote it for the Earl of Southampton, I believe, and then, you don't know? Okay. <laughs> well, y'all can correct me if I'm wrong. Sounds and right. We'll talk, <laughs> we'll talk about it in the after thing, whatever, of the video. On the Patreon. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so, so, but he, he ended up becoming, you know, a lot of people become patrons for him throughout his life. Just like you can become a patron. <laughs> Exactly. Just for one dollar a month. (laughs) So like the Earl of Southampton, like Claire said, the Queen, the King, King, what is his name? James? King James James, was also a patron. I think he was the last major one towards Mm -hmm. the end of Shakespeare's Mm -hmm. life, I believe. So that's pretty much all we know about Shakespeare as a person. Mm -hmm. Like I said, conspiracy theorists believe that there's no possible way Shakespeare could have written these plays because he didn't have the educational experience that a lot of other playwrights had at the time because he never traveled to those places that you know he describes in his plays Mm -hmm. because we don't have actual confirmation of what his handwriting would have looked like yeah and all that sort of stuff in one of his plays he talks about falconing Mm -hmm. which you know is when you train a bird and it chills with you (laughs) you just chill with the bird yeah it becomes your roommate you live together um you get married (laughs) yeah Yeah. exactly in special cases um that was a a, an activity of the nobility yeah yeah common people you know people who came from shakespeare's background Mm -hmm. they wouldn't have done that because it was something that was like for royalty or at least for people who were in high standing Mm -hmm. and so that's a big thing is a lot of people are like how do you know how to bird good (laughs) (laughs) this boy doesn't even bird (laughs) real quick another little thing that people think point to that Shakespeare was not the actual playwright is that back in the day when you had a hyphen in the name that usually meant that it was a pseudonym and in most of Shakespeare's published works at the time he had a hyphen between shake and spear okay so people are like that's really suspicious so now that we have a basic overview of Shakespeare and why people sort of think that he wasn't the one that wrote his plays, mm-hmm. let's talk about the people that they say did write his plays. Oh, boy. <laughs> We're going to start off with my main boy, Christopher Marlowe. Oh, yes. And he wrote Faustus, right? He did. Yeah. He wrote Dr. Faustus. Bro. Epic. That, that's Bro. Cool. So if you aren't an English major or a theater major, you probably have no clue who Christopher Marlowe is. But back in the day, he was regarded as Shakespeare's equal, pretty much. Yes. He was extremely well known for his plays. The best of which is Dr. Faustus, mm-hmm. by the way. And they were close. They were contemporary. Yes, they were contemporary. They were actually born in the same year, 1564. Twins? 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 He was born February 26th of 1564 in Canterbury. And for my English-British audience, I'm so sorry if I mess any of these names up. I know they are written in English. I just can't say them as eloquently as you. Canterbury. Canterbury. (laughs) Ain't that those chocolate eggs? (laughs) I'm so sorry. Okay. So... So we know, based on records, that Christopher Marlowe attended school as well as university at Corpus Christi mm-hmm. College in Cambridge. Very nice. That's a lot of C words. Mm-hmm. I'm trying my best. Christopher. Yes, there you go. <laughs> he ended up getting a Bachelor of Arts as well as a Master's degree. Hmm. And we'll get into why that's significant later on. All right. So when he got to London, or he got to London in 1587, and he published his first play in 1594. Much like Shakespeare did, he wrote in blank verse, and that was pretty consistent throughout all of his plays Mm -hmm. and just works in general. His most famous play is, of course, Dr. Faustus. Yes. Which, again, you've got to check out this play. It's genuinely a really interesting play, and it's totally... I don't want to say different from the time, but it's very... 
I don't know, out there yeah. for a play at the time. I would know? agree. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Doctors and Hubris. That's a one-way literary ticket to my heart, baby. There you go. <laughs> exactly. I bought a copy of Faustus today. Oh, yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah, it's in my purse. We love go. to see it. <laughs> fun fact about, well, these are all fun facts about Christopher Marlowe, truly. <laughs> but in 1593, he was accused of atheism, oh. which at this time period... Heresy. Yeah, you were either a Protestant or a Catholic, and there was nothing else. Mm-hmm. Catholics were pretty much, you know, regarded as the lowest of the low, obviously. Mm-hmm. But if you were an atheist, oh boy, that was death penalty. I'm sweating. That was you instantly were going to be put to death. Mm-hmm. So his roommate, who I listened to one podcast episode, and they speculated that they were more than roommates, which is interesting. Uh oh, I don't know. God, which is roommate. adding. Oh my. <laughs> Adding on to the the controversy behind Christopher Marlowe, but he, his roommate was an atheist. And when they came to sort of arrest him for it, Mm -hmm. they saw atheist stuff in Marlowe's living area as well. And so they arrested him and he was going to be charged and of course, probably put to death because he's an atheist apparently. But in actuality, before that could happen, he was shot to death May 30th, 1593, I believe in a bar fight. I could be wrong about that one, but what a way to go regardless. <laughs> Good old Kit Marlowe getting too lost in the sauce, yeah, am I exactly. right, ladies? <laughs> so you're probably thinking like, well, what does this have to do with Shakespeare, right? That's what I was thinking when I first heard about all this. <laughs> it turns out it's pretty much... confirmed at this point they were the uh, same person (laughs) well well hold on oh oh no no in actuality a lot of people at this point based on records and what we know about marlowe and his odd dealings with just things in general yeah he most likely was a spy for the crown (gasps) oh which Uh is dun 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 so spooky what we know about this and what sort of confirms it is that Marlowe left college repeatedly, several times without any explanation, would be gone for weeks, maybe even months, and then would come back and everyone would be like, where were you? And he'd be like, "Not a, no, don't worry about it. Like, I can't, I don't, I don't want to say. I mean, we've you know? all been there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. He actually managed to graduate on time despite, you know, leaving college consistently. <laughs> on the podcast I listened to, they were talking about how they weren't going to give him the degree because he hadn't completed certain things and he was like but I need it and they were like no 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 (laughs) and then suspiciously they changed their mind and gave him the degree the next day well methinks there was some tomfoolery afoot you think right so (laughs) people people allege that Marlowe was actually an anti-catholic spy for the crown and of course like we said at the time catholics were considered the lowest of the low Mm -hmm. they were not good people and because of Marlowe's disappearances, when specifically he would disappear, and how it related, I think, to Catholic practices or mm-hmm. holidays or something like that, people assumed in college that he was, in fact, a Catholic. So mm-hmm. they were like, ooh, we have to report him, all this sort of stuff. Nothing ever came of it. Mm-hmm. So people assume, okay, there had to have been some sort of royal intervention for him not to be arrested as a Catholic, first of all, mm-hmm. but also to get that degree, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So, paper. Queen In Elizabeth paper. herself came down and said, hey, she sprinkled a little royal blessings onto it and said, let this boy graduate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's pretty much how people think it happened. Life came pretty easy to him for the most part. He was able to do pretty much whatever he wanted to in London. He could just hang out, write as many plays as he wanted to, all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. And not only that, but he actually ended up writing plays with Shakespeare. Scholars now agree. Mm-hmm. And that play specifically was Henry the Sixth. Is that the sixth? Mm. It was a VI. Yeah, that's six. So Henry the Sixth. Yeah. <laughs> they think at this point, and it's actually credited, I think, now if you buy Henry the Sixth in some copies, it has not only Shakespeare's name, but it also has Marlowe's name. Ooh. So people are pretty sure, and I believe that was one of Shakespeare's earliest plays, correct? He, he wrote histories first. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was a part of his histories series. Yes. Because mm-hmm. he wrote Henry the Fourth, Henry the Fifth, Henry the Sixth. Right. Not, not you know, there are other plays around there as well. Yeah. But, <laughs> but that's Henry's how it went. Henry's only. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so people now attribute 
I'm sure maybe the other Henrys, but Henry the Sixth specifically, they attribute that to Marlowe. Mm-hmm. When the atheism charge came about, people assume that the Queen put together a plot so that Marlowe could continue to live and continue to spy. Mm. So what better way to make sure that your spy isn't caught than murder him? Aww. You know? Epic. Or pretend like you murdered him. Ooh. So a lot of people assume, if, you're, if they believe that Marlowe was actually Shakespeare, people assume that his death had been faked, the arrest for atheism made the queen nervous, and mm-hmm. she put together a plot to fake his death and allow him to continue to spy and carry on writing, mm. right? That accounts for the fact that Shakespeare continued to write and publish plays after Marlowe's confirmed death date. And that's you. what a lot of people who assume, who believe that Christopher Marlowe was, in fact, you know, William Shakespeare, mm-hmm. they say, well, there you go. He was yeah. already a spy, mm-hmm. you know, obviously. Now he's just living under a pseudonym. Exactly. Claro. It's mostly because of this fact that, you know, he was a spy. It's weird that he was put to death. Mm-hmm. Oh, I forgot to mention. I just remembered this. It, it's something in the podcast episode I listened to, which is going to be linked. Hmm. Apparently, the body that they allegedly said was Christopher Marlowe was not, in fact, him. Hmm. There had been a hanging the previous day around the same... Oh, my backpack just fell. <laughs> around... It's Christopher, Christopher Marlowe. Marlowe. <laughs> Around the same time and area as when Marlowe was shot. So it went to the same morgue. And people assume, allegedly, that the criminal that was hung, hang, Mm -hmm. hung, hung, who knows, something like that, was buried as Christopher Marlowe. Mm -hmm. Reduce, reuse, recycle. I mean, that's what I always say. Exactly. (laughs) So the theory is that Marlowe faked his death. His writing was so close to Shakespeare's own writing that people just you know, assumed put two and two together, they're Mm -hmm. the same person. Mm. And he, I think what they thought was that he wanted to publish plays that were sort of out of his own genre and wanted to sort of explore, Mm -hmm. but they, he was worried they wouldn't be successful. So he published them with a pseudonym and that's where the shake dash spear comes in. So what are our thoughts on that one? Those spears sure are shaken. They are. (laughs) So are my boots. Um, Wow, I am gadzooked. I didn't think that uh, Christopher Marlowe would be such a wild boy, but here we are. I know, he really was. All right. I think I'm with you, though. Okay, cool. So so we are actually going to take a break for our ad read, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about the mysterious Edward de Vere, who is our second... Got a lot to say. Oh, (laughs) it's our second subject of the Shakespeare conspiracy theory. So we will see you guys after the break. All right. This episode of Hey, Have You Heard About is brought to you by Best Fiends. I don't know about y'all, but for me, summer is officially over and school is back in session. And whether you're online or in person like me, you're probably stressing over classes, assignments, or more being added onto your already big plate. If you're dealing with that, like me, then I'm happy to introduce you to the app I like to use to help me de-stress Best Fiends. If you're a listener of the show, then you know I love Best Fiends. It's a super fun puzzle game made up of difficult levels, cute characters, and really fun and engaging events. As I'm recording this right now, they have the Painting Roses Challenge, a cute event to help you through the game and one that rewards you for completed levels. This summer, I managed to make it to level 150. So if you find yourself needing a break from school or needing something to challenge you more than your schedule already is, I recommend checking out Best Fiends. Engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Okay, big thank you to Best Fiends for sponsoring this episode. Thank you, Best Fiends. Woo. Thank you, Best Fiends. Okay, so when we <laughs> left off, we were talking about Christopher Marlowe and how he possibly was William Shakespeare. We're going to talk about that later when we discuss how none of these theories are actually true. The drama, <laughs> the intrigue. <laughs> Sorry, I spoiled it. Uh, so now or are they? they? No. <laughs> So now we're going to talk about this guy named Edward Devere. And you're probably like, who is this man? Well, me too. 
Yeah. I didn't know who this man was. At I certainly all. don't know who he there is. You go. Oh, Perfect. oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> so Claire's gonna jump in more, I'm sure, because she's probably more she you know who he is. Yes. Okay. So, <laughs> cool. so he was the seventeenth Earl of Oxford, was born April twelfth, fifteen fifty, and he died June twenty fourth, sixteen oh four. He was known as a poet, briefly. And a patron of poets. Oh. So he was really big into poetry. And he had money. And he had a lot of money. Very nice. Lots and lots of money. So he was known to have written plays, but there's no evidence of the actual plays. We have evidence of his friends talking about his plays, mm-hmm. but we can't find the yeah. actual plays. They were like destroyed or lost or he was like, meh, or whatever it was. Let's get rid of it. His dog like, ate them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Oh, my dog ate my plays. Gosh. <laughs> Don't you hate to see it? <laughs> There's a theory in regards to him being the actual author of Shakespeare that there are a lot of biographical similarities between him and the characters Hamlet and Bertram, which were two famous characters from Shakespeare's plays. Obviously, mm-hmm. Hamlet, everyone knows. Yes. So... There were a lot of similarities between those two characters and Edward de Vere specifically. Mm. And so people say, well, it's got to be the guy that wrote him then, right? It's his self-insert fan fiction. Exactly. Very nice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. Interestingly, he stopped writing poetry right before Shakespeare came onto the London scene and began to publish his plays. Oh. So... People who believe this theory that Edward de Vere, the Earl of Oxford, actually was William Shakespeare say that he, obviously, as a man of high standing, Mm -hmm. would not have, you know, he would have been regarded as sort of lower class because he wanted to write and publish plays Mm -hmm. in the London theater scene, which, of course, as we talked about before, was not seen as like high class and great and perfect. So he decided to instead publish these under pseudonym and also pay the actual William Shakespeare mm-hmm. in Stratford-upon-Avon, you know, money for allowing him to use his name. Because yeah. Shakespeare was an actor, so he was known for being an actor, mm-hmm. I think, before he started writing plays just in general. He made his name as an actor mm-hmm. first. Yes, yes, correct. Mm-hmm. He was as close to high class as you could get, so he was obviously well-educated, and he could have traveled to the places mentioned in Shakespeare's plays. You have a source? Yeah, I, I have a... <laughs> Just got the um, receipts. Yeah. So, back in 1573, three of his retainers robbed two men who had previously been employed by the Earl. Mm. So... This happened, it was said, by the highway from Gravesend to Rochester. And then in Henry IV, Part One, Prince Hal's friends attempt a robbery, but Prince Hal foils it at Gladshill, which is on the highway between Gravesend and Rochester. Oh. So there you go. So, oh. The parallel. Could it be based off of this time? Another theory that people had about Edward de Vere writing under a pseudonym was that he was writing with the name Shakespeare to protect his family. Mm-hmm. Because, like we learned with Christopher Marlowe, there were a lot of things happening politically. Yeah. And it was very easy to get rid of somebody mm-hmm. if you wanted that to happen. I mean, like, in Richard III, the real Richard III, because it is based off of a real dude, he probably did have some sort of deformity, maybe like a little bit of a hunch. Mm-hmm. But in the play, he's described as being... This horrible-looking, horrible person, like, all this bad stuff about him. He's, like, one of the most renowned villains of Mm -hmm. Shakespeare's canon. And in reality, like, he wasn't good, but he was nowhere near, it seems, as murderous or as vile. And he had nowhere near as much of, like, a physical deformity as he does in the play. It's like stage Phantom of the Opera's deformity versus movie Phantom of the Opera's deformity. Right. Hope you theater nerds understood that one. <laughs> to those folks who don't, it's like a really, you know, not a big deal versus making it a big deal. Yes. There you go. <laughs> so, yes, people assume if they believe this theory that that is another reason Edward de Vere would have written with the pseudonym William Shakespeare. So people also like Christopher Marlowe. People said that Edward de Vere had a very similar writing style to Shakespeare. The problem is that, like Christopher Marlowe, he died way before Shakespeare's plays 
finished. So after his death, his plays, Shakespeare's plays, not his, Mm -hmm. continued to come out. And all that sort of stuff. So you're thinking like, oh, maybe it's another plot. He faked his death like Marlowe. No. The theory is that he had friends who found a lot of his plays that he had not published oh. before his death and just kept on publishing them year after year. Oh, so you. not as exciting. Nah. You know? He just died. Yeah, he, he just, just straight died, up died. Pretty much. <laughs> so do you have anything to add with Edward? Oh, boy. Uh-oh. So there's a movie that came out in 2012. <laughs> And it was called Anonymous, and it was by Roland Emmerich, who did Independence Day, if you oh know that, that movie. I sure and, do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he is a big anti-Stratfordian. He really believes that this Earl wrote Shakespeare, and the whole movie's explaining this theory in how it might have happened back then with the the some people who believe in this theory and it's in the movie also believe that queen elizabeth was his secret mother and that lover and lover is what the movie says is that yes yes yeah and sigmund ford did believe in this theory um (laughs) so yeah that he was her secret baby because she was the virgin queen that she had a lot of secret babies and he was one of them and so that's why he was like oh i can't fully come forward with this but not everyone who believes in this theory also believes in that Mm -hmm. it's just you know a lot of people think that it was okay in the time for someone of his stature to write poetry because that's what some royalty and yeah. some high stature people did. I know King Henry wrote green sleeves yeah. and stuff like that. So that was fine. But maybe writing plays would have been too lowbrow yeah. at the time is why people think maybe that's why he never came forward with mm-hmm. it. And then eventually when he died or when he was writing them, people burned them after like any place that mm-hmm. would have had his name on it, basically, which yeah. is why there's no credit secretly where it says like yeah. hamlet <laughs> it says by. like the earl and then it's crossed out many times and then it's like shakespeare. william shakespeare <laughs> ah if only ah. that Classic. would make things so much easier it really would so that's basically pretty much everything we in regards to the shakespeare theory we need to know about the earl mm-hmm. apparently he was also just not a good dude in general Yikes. I heard or read somewhere he wasn't the best to his wife and all that sort of stuff, which he shared with Shakespeare. But you if know. you're interested in this more, I had to watch the movie Anonymous for one of my classes. And it is <laughs> kind of fun if you like Shakespeare to watch it and be like, what? Bruh. What? So I'd recommend it for that. And if you just like want to hear more, it's not, not, not historically accurate. <laughs> not. For example, they say that Christopher Marlowe was killed by this fake Shakespeare, but they also have him staging like, I think it's Richard III is how the play opens as he's watching them stage Richard III. <laughs> and Christopher Marlowe was dead way before Richard III. <laughs> Allegedly. So it doesn't check out historically. It's more so just like, I want to watch this. Yeah. It'll be funny. Yeah. Type watch. <laughs> I've heard um, it's not the best film in the world. Especially if it's by the guy who did Independence Day. But Independence this- Day is good. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't the podcast for that. Anyways, we're going to maybe check out it. my new podcast, <laughs> Independence Day. <laughs> it's good. Or it's not bad. I don't think it's bad. Anyways, anyways, <laughs> anyways. So there's one more theory that we're going to talk about. And this is the other third main theory is that Shakespeare was not a single person. He was, in fact, a group of people who just collaborated on writing plays which collaboration on plays was very common at the time obviously i mean shakespeare mm-hmm. apparently did it with christopher marlowe yeah but boys night yeah exactly boys night <laughs> so the theory is that multiple people wrote, wrote the plays and this group could have included of course marlowe edward de Vere, but also francis bacon and allegedly queen elizabeth i all right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <Got> <laughs> so there's honestly not much to this theory other yeah. than the fact that people assume that it was either a group of playwrights who did it or it was a group of people who would not have been normally published mm-hmm. or well thought of for writing plays that did it. So sort of like how in Independence Day, <laughs> <laughs> it takes the group of people to take down the big threat. I haven't seen this movie in years. <laughs> 
So I don't quite remember it other than when I was five and watched it. But that's your analogy. So would you say that Independence Day is representative of the life of Shakespeare? I would say that Independence Day is actually based on Henry V. Oh, uh, yeah. And I I'm, can see it. I'm not kidding. I can see it. <laughs> I don't know. So, yeah, that's a good analogy. Pretty much. That's, that's basically the group theory is that, you know, a lot of people came in. They were like, hey, let's pay this guy, this random dude mm-hmm. out in the country to let us use his name and William Shakespeare was like, yeah, man, let's go for it. Give me your money. (laughs) Exactly. And then he became the William Shakespeare and everyone else sort of just faded. I mean, obviously some people didn't fade away. Queen Elizabeth. (laughs) Who is she? (laughs) I don't know her. (laughs) But, but, you know, that's, that's basically the theory is that they would all take turns and they would write things for the play and then Hmm. combine them all and create a cohesive narrative for a play. So that's basically... The group theory. That would be tough, though, to get a bunch of probably pretty egotistical people together and yeah. get them to create a cohesive voice. And I yeah. do feel like, yeah, exactly. You know, the people that you just named, that's four people right there, and mm-hmm. it could be more. And I feel like it would be so difficult, maybe I'm wrong, but so difficult to write the plays, because it sounds like Shakespeare's plays are written mm-hmm. by the same person. Like, you don't read one play and then read another play, and you're like, these are two vastly different voices. Yeah. They sound like they're written by the same guy, and it sounds cohesive throughout. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that would be very difficult, and it would take... For him to have been writing a play a year, it would mm-hmm. take a lot of work to make four people at least natural writing mm-hmm. styles, you Match. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In modern day terms, it's like if you have to collaborate with somebody on a project, how difficult is it to make sure everybody's on board and doing... <laughs> what they need to and it's all turned in on time Mm -hmm. but imagine that but it's 1500 all you have is falcons to send letters and that's falconing Falconing. (laughs) and that's it and you're writing shakespeare like i think that would be so so difficult Mm -hmm. so we're kind of nitpicking them already but so we're going to talk about how these theories are probably not legit right so christopher marlowe I think this is a fun theory, and I do believe that he probably was a spy. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't see the queen just deciding like, let's yeah. save him so he can continue to mainly write plays. You yeah. know, and at that point, Shakespeare, towards the end of his writing career, he was writing stuff like The Tempest. Mm-hmm. He wasn't writing stuff that was super about the histories. Like that time yeah. had sort of passed, mm-hmm. and so. I don't know why, unless she was like, we'll see if he writes another, you know, like history play or something like that. And then he just decided not to, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know why she would go out of her way to save him and to fake a whole death. Yeah. I don't know. It seems like a lot of effort to go into for the 1500s. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So the Edward de Vere one, again... I guess I can see the merit, and a lot mm-hmm. of people said that this one was most likely the the main, like, if this were real, this would be the one. Yeah. Which is an interesting take. Mm-hmm. But also, you know... The play's coming out after... His death. De yeah. Vere's death, yeah. I mean, it's one thing, with the first folio, which is, like, basically a... a book that has all of Shakespeare's plays and poetry and stuff his mm-hmm. friends put that together mm-hmm. and that's I understand and yeah. I can believe that for sure but to have a group of friends continue to publish your plays after your death every year for years and mm-hmm. years mm-hmm. after you die to me that just seems very unrealistic yeah. was that in the will yeah exactly <laughs> the will yum Shakespeare <laughs> Also, one thing that I think a lot of people forget is that Shakespeare was writing these plays for a specific acting company. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but he was writing them for specific theaters. Mm -hmm. So if he was doing a play that he knew different members of the acting company would have to double cast, he was obviously just looking at how his plays were written, was working closely with the company of actors. Because Mm -hmm. if you read his plays with that in mind, with what casting would have looked like back then 
then you can see like, okay, this character has been gone for a while and this character is sort of subbing in for them. So Mm -hmm. they were probably double cast at the time. And he was an actor too. So he wrote enough time for quick changes, for stuff like that. And not only that, but if there was stage combat, which there was in a lot of his shows with swords and stuff like that. So it takes big movements and it's possible that people could have gotten hurt or died. Yeah. When when one of his plays was being performed in a smaller theater, Mm -hmm. he would take that stuff out. Yeah. Or he would shorten it. You know, so he was obviously very, very close with Mm -hmm. the people who were producing his plays. And it seems wild to me that if he was secretly doing it or he was sending some sort of patsy to do it, that no one would have come forward with this knowledge. Mm -hmm. I know that the, the whole thing is that it was like a secret by the crown or whatever it is that he was that Devere was writing these plays. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't make sense to me how the actors wouldn't have caught on, you know, if it was this guy who Devere was playing, Mm -hmm. how would he have been so knowledgeable about the works to be able to take stuff out, you know, Mm -hmm. all this stuff to be able to work so closely with those actors and to know their strengths and their weaknesses. And if he was just writing them and he had no in-between guy, Mm -hmm. then he would have had to be there physically. And why would no one have said anything? They would have recognized him. yeah. Yeah, there you go. That's, he basically took that down way more than I could. <laughs> Good and job. that on that. And that's that. So, and then, of course, the group theory, like we said previously, it's just, it's impossible to get a group of four people, much less a group of apparently hundreds of people together to yeah. write a single play within a year. Or poetry. Yeah, poetry and plays mm-hmm. they would have all been collaborating on. So that's like... And here's the thing that gets me. <laughs> oh, boy. So, back in this time, nowadays... For the most part, when plays are written, you know who wrote them, you're very familiar with them. And honestly, with social media happening, Mm -hmm. you can follow them on these things. But back in the day, a lot of plays didn't have writers' names. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if any of these people wanted to write a play, why would they go to the trouble of making a pseudonym? They would have just, it would have been commonplace, and it was commonplace for plays to just be published anonymously, like with no name. So logically in that time, it doesn't really make sense that they would be like, to be doubly quick, I'm going to make up a fake name and then publish it under that and then hire a <laughs> fake guy. When in reality, they could have just published the plays and no one would have been like, I wonder who wrote this. They mm-hmm. would have just read the plays because there were 10 other plays without authors on the shelves. Yeah. And I also think it's important to note that at this time period, like we said earlier when we first started, is that people did not keep records unless they were royalty or someone famous like Christopher Marlowe. Mm -hmm. You know, when it came to somebody who pretty much came from nothing like Shakespeare, they wouldn't have, you know, gone into detail about his comings and goings as a person, which I think is a reason for why we don't know a lot specifically about Shakespeare's life, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, biography was not even a word at the time. It straight up didn't exist. If you said biography back then, you would have gotten burned at the stake of heresy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Probably. Yeah. And the thing, too, is that you can bring up the fact that whoever wrote Shakespeare, if it wasn't Shakespeare, knew about nobility and knew about lineage and all that stuff. There's no doubt in my mind that he was working closely with the crown because one of his patrons was literally Queen Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. But also, like, yeah, but also, like, Shakespeare got stuff wrong in his plays. Like, in As You Like It, he says one of the characters gets attacked by a lion, but it's set in France, (laughs) and lions... They're not from France. Maybe the circus was in town. (laughs) Right, yeah. But he got stuff wrong. He was not perfect in his writings. And I I think it's kind of naive to say you can only write about stuff that you know. Because, like, for example, Christopher Marlowe and Dr. Faustus was writing about the devil and was writing about... Was he sucked into hell? Yeah. No. Are you telling me that Christopher Marlowe went through all these things? Probably yes. not. <laughs> Spoilers for Dr. Fest. Yeah. yeah. But like, I think it's just wild that everyone else in the world is about allowed to make stuff up and to write about what they want. And Shakespeare, mm-hmm. everyone's like, if he didn't know about how these birds worked. <laughs> he didn't know how to bird good. <laughs> Apparently. So, I mean, real or not, whether Shakespeare wrote his plays or not, he did. A lot of famous people actually believe that he did not write his plays. These include Henry James, Sigmund Freud, Helen Keller, Charlie Chaplin, and Mark Twain, who we've mentioned at some point, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. So Mark Twain actually literally wrote the book on 
Shakespeare and how he didn't write his plays. It's called Is Shakespeare Dead? And I, I found a couple <laughs> excerpts. As of today. <laughs> yes. Yes. He's sleeping. I, he's asleep. Don't add him. He's Sunday chilling. <laughs> exactly. I found a couple excerpts from Sh- Is Shakespeare Dead written by Mark Twain. And I just would like to read them for you all because these all right. are a joy. So this is one, one quote from Mark Twain. How curious and interesting is the parallel, as far as poverty of biographical details is concerned, between Satan and Shakespeare. (laughs) They are the best known, unknown persons that have ever drawn breath upon the planet. Now that's a hot take. Now that is a hot take. My mouth is burning. That's such a hot take. I can't take it. (laughs) And this this is the second quote. All the rest of his vast history, as furnished by the biographers, is built up course upon course of guesses, inferences, theories, conjectures, an Eiffel Tower of artificialities rising sky-high from a very flat and very thin foundation of inconsequential facts. So you're telling me you don't like theories? (laughs) (laughs) What are you doing exactly? Mark. So that's Mark Twain's hot take on Shakespeare. I, I just I just thought I would share because it, it surprised me so much that someone who's considered basically like the Shakespeare of his time, mm-hmm. Mark Twain, is like, yeah, dude, Shakespeare didn't even write his plays. He said, did he even put a pen to paper? Exactly. I don't think so. Does he even know how to falcon? Apparently not. Ugh, disgusting. Lions in France? Oh my god. <laughs> So anyway, that's <laughs> that's the Shakespeare theory, and I'm so glad we got to talk about it, because yeah. this is a fun, fun theory. It was fun to research. It was fun to mm-hmm. sort of talk about, it's for fun sure. To dunk on a bunch of historical figures and exactly. authors. Exactly. As an English major, I live for that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you're a fan of these people, cool. No offense, but Swag. let's be real. <laughs> Shakespeare wrote his plays. Yeah. I think so. I think so, too. I trust, I would trust William Shakespeare with my life. Maybe not. <laughs> he I'm, did die because he got drunk at his daughter's wedding. Well. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. You know. You know if he even existed. If he, yeah, apparently, you know. I don't know. My whole thing is like, I thought you were about to say, I don't know. I don't think I you did. Don't know. <laughs> my whole thing is, why, why is this such a big question? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Why Shakespeare specifically, I know we don't have a lot of info on him, but we don't have a lot of info on a lot of historical figures. Yeah. Satan. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, I don't know why specifically he's the one who people are like, he couldn't have done this. Ooh. It just, I don't know. It's just always interesting to me to hear mm-hmm. people talk about and read about people who firmly, firmly believe that he didn't write these plays mm-hmm. and just to figure out why, why they would... <laughs> commit to something so hard yeah yeah you know it is what it is it's just it's just a fun theory i think it's just like you know like you said why shakespeare of all the people you know why not da vinci or mm-hmm. why yeah. not insert other renaissance artist here yeah. you know <laughs> maybe william shakespeare wrote christopher marlowe's plays there's a theory what do you think of that yeah <laughs> switch it up you so know? there. Exactly. So anyways, <laughs> get into it. Thank you guys so much for joining us on this fun conspiracy theory episode. Thank Bye. you, Mary Frances and Claire for being here. This was very fun. I had a very good time. Yeah. I'm glad we had a good time. I just this thought, you know, we've had a lot of heavy cases. Let's have a fun conspiracy theory. So yeah. here we are. We're having a good time. So if you guys like what you heard, please leave us a review on iTunes. Those really do help. And mm-hmm. I read them all. And I just think those are so cool. So if you liked it, you know, I would appreciate a five-star review. If you want to keep up to date, you can check us out at HHYHA Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. I, like I said, update it regularly with clues and all that sort of stuff. I'm trying to pick out the September episode. I'm I'm having a, my old friend Willow, who was OG early, early guest on. So we'll, we'll yeah. maybe a serial killer? Ooh. You can leave your suggestions. <laughs> yes. In the Twitter DMs <laughs> below, if you're on YouTube, in your iTunes review. What case? No, not in your iTunes review. <laughs> Everywhere else except for there. <laughs> Thank you. So, you know, keep up to date. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Also, check out the Patreon. I'm going to have the Final Thoughts video up, hopefully, by after you listen to this. That'll be yeah. on the YouTube. I will link it on Instagram and Twitter. 
So if you want to subscribe to the YouTube channel, it's just, hey, have you heard about? I hit 60 subscribers. I'm so Ooh. excited. That's very exciting for me personally. Very nice. <laughs> so thank you guys for your support. And let's see. Oh, check out the Teespring. You know, all the money made from the merch store goes to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Mm -hmm. It's great. We also are still doing the Black Lives Matter t-shirt. So it's a shirt that basically says no justice, no peace. Mm -hmm. All the money made from that will go to our local Black Lives Matter sort of organization, mm -hmm. which, of course, they definitely, definitely need it during this time, yeah, obviously. So if you're interested, check that out as well. And a big thank you to our sponsor, Best Fiends, once again. The link to download the app will be in the description, as well as all of our sources and links to pretty much everything else. So yeah. thank you, Best Fiends. Best Fiends? Do like... you believe... <laughs> <laughs> what were you going to do? <laughs> go, go. Best Fiends. More like best friends. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. No, it's Best Fiends. It's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Tag tagline. That is the tagline. I, do you Wig. listen to any of my? Never mind. <laughs> no, I was saying it because it is the tagline. Oh, okay, gotcha. So, anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we will see you in the next one. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>